Welcome to episode seven of Armchair Donkeys. Uh, Bob, you got a little loose uh, last week. You missed your first college lock in four weeks, but you did hit the two-teamer on the Buffs plus 10 and a half and the over, uh, and then you went one and two in the NFL. I'm guessing hitting that pro- uh, parlay probably um, equates to uh, an even week for you, which being a bad week for you this season isn't too bad if you broke even. Yeah, evened out. I mean, I should have known better on Michigan State, you know, that Purdue's a place for top five teams to go to, to die. I mean, it's incredible that the way Purdue plays at home when, when top-ranked teams come into that place. But, um, yeah, the parlay helped for sure. Um, I started chasing a little bit on Sunday because I, I wanted to take the Cardinals. I didn't know if Kyler Murray was playing or not. And hindsight being 2020, I just should have taken them anyways, the way they ended up playing. But, um, yeah, it turned out okay, but definitely could have been better. But I, I did get a little sideways chasing an NFL game with the Kyler Murray questionable tag he had on him. Uh, that does happen from time to time. Uh, I, I, I felt like you were getting a little bit excited. But uh, I got a question for you uh, about that Purdue team uh, and and, and the, also the way that the odds makers are kind of overvaluing, uh, in my opinion, Ohio State this year. Uh, I think Penn State was something like a 19 and a half point dog um, in the horseshoe a couple weeks ago, and they covered that pretty easily. Purdue's a 20 point dog at the horseshoe this weekend. Is that, does that make any sense to you? Is, is Ohio State that good? I haven't watched them play this year, but. You know, I, I think they're pretty damn good, and I think they're really damn good at home. Now, you know, Purdue coming off a win like that, are they really that good of a team? Uh, I don't, I don't feel that way. So I don't, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't think it's a bad spread just because of Ohio state's talent. I think they're way overly more talented than Purdue has. It's just a matter of, you know, Purdue not being at home, not at Ross state going into the horseshoe. I just think that um, I, I don't think they respond and play the same way they played against Michigan state last week. Yeah. That, that was one game uh, when I was looking through that jumped off of the, you know, off of the, off the board uh, to me, but yeah, I don't know enough about the Big Ten. I I did watch a little bit of that Purdue Michigan State game. That receiver for uh, Purdue is is really good. They they find a way to sneakily put some guys into the NFL. Yeah, they do. Their quarterback played out of his mind last Saturday too. Um, so can he repeat that performance against Ohio State? Uh, who knows? I mean, it's tough. Yep. It's tough. That that was another thing the announcers were talking about. When that kid plays well and protects the football, they can beat anybody really. And if he doesn't, which it's almost like a Jekyll and Hyde type of type of yeah. situation there. All right. Well, when we started this thing, the goal was to figure out how to beat the sports book, right? You know, I've come <laughs> up with some betting guidelines for myself over the course of the first six weeks to help me remain disciplined. Uh, and last week I was pretty solid. I went three and one. Uh, two out of the three primetime dogs covered. And I hit my fourth Mountain West game in a row last weekend. And rule number one for me is bet the lesser known conference because the odds makers don't spend as much time on games that are showing on the stadium network. Last weekend, I signed up for a one-week trial of Fubo TV, which I've <laughs> since canceled so that I could watch UNLV at New Mexico. There was nobody in the stands at this game, and it was a challenge for me to find uh, find it online to, to watch. So why would the odds makers dedicate research to a game that 
has very few people paying attention to it. This gives gamblers like us an advantage. UNLV was a plus one and a half point dog in that game. And I said they were going to win by two touchdowns. How many points did they win by, Bob? I don't know. Tell me. 14 points. <laughs> they won by 14 points. And with that, I'm going back to the fucking Mountain West this week. My boy Arroyo got his first win for the running Rebels in 706 days at New Mexico last week. And I think he gets his second win this weekend at home against Hawaii. Hawaii is one of those teams that is tough for people to gauge. Uh, but this season has been pretty simple. They play well at home and they're a different team on the road. They're traveling five hours by plane to Las Vegas this weekend to play UNLV. UNLV's quarterback is from Hawaii. I anticipate he will have a lot of family and friends at this game, and all eyes on the islands will be on this one. He's going to want to get a little winning streak going for the running Rebels here. UNLV's getting three points in this one. I'm going to take the plus three at home, and I think they're going to win this game outright and get their second W of the season against the Rainbow Warriors here on Saturday. Um that's your world, man. And the Mountain West. No, I, I defer to you when it comes to uh, Mountain West knowledge. So uh, our listeners want to get on board with that. Bo's the man. He's got the conference figured out. Six uh, and two this season in the Mountain West. So it's not a bad uh, a bad um, a record if you're if you're trying to make a little bit of money in this thing. Yeah, uh, not at all. Bob. Let's take us to a mainstream game. You're, you're our, you're our, uh, our, I guess our primetime college football game <laughs> or our game of the week guy. Uh, we're going to Oxford, Mississippi. Texas A&M is a two and a half point favorite at Old Miss. The over under in this game is fifty five and a half. Yeah, um, you know I, I like Old Miss at home in this game. Uh, Texas A&M has had really great performances and have really had some subpar performances. So. It's, it's kind of a question mark of, of who's going to show up for the Aggies. Um, they're going on the road. I like what Lane Kiffin has going on at Old Miss. I like their quarterback a lot. You know I mean, he goes for it on fourth down almost all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different mindset. It's a different approach. But um, in the SEC at home, Old Miss is a good team. They're getting two and a half. Um, that's, who I, that's who I'm going with in my college football game this week. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I'm not really watching uh, the SEC too much, and you're not paying attention to the Mountain West, so I don't have much to say about your game. So I'll trust you on that. You've been pretty good in, uh, in big-time college football games this year. Uh, so let's take it to the NFL. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was diving into injuries and matchups uh, in, the, in the NFL, but I think I've found something to ride out the rest of the season or at least until it stops paying out every week. My primetime dogs theory has been pretty consistent. Uh, and for the rest of the NFL season, I'm purely playing the odds on this rule of thumb. Ratings equal the ability to sell television ads. Primetime games have the most eyes on them and they keep going down to the wire. Primetime dogs are 19 and 8 against the spread this season and 10 and 2 against the spread in the last 12 games. Those are fantastic numbers for any gambler. These these guys playing in the NFL, they're all professionals. There's so much parity around the league. It only takes one or two penalty flags uh, a game to sway the momentum and help facilitate these spectacular last second finishes that have been pretty consistent in primetime this season. You know, call me a conspiracy theorist, but at the end of the day, uh, what any good investigator does is follow the money. 
And as someone who is in the events business, which the NFL is, let me tell you that the fear that was struck into me losing my business for 18 months was like nothing I've ever experienced. And it still looms because I worry that a second major lockdown could happen any day now. And my business doesn't carry any overhead. Now imagine you are the owner of an NFL franchise that runs a brand with a multi-million dollar overhead and a league that has a multi-billion dollar overhead. We know this business is classified as sports entertainment. We know the NFL lost $4 billion last year because of COVID. Close games are exciting and it's way too easy for, for them to manipulate these last second finishes most of the time. Now, a couple of times this season, it's been way too obvious. People are starting to wake up and a lot of people are making noise online. The mainstream journalists, if you want to call them that, aren't going to talk about it because they are bought and paid for and are afraid of being canceled. So let's talk about it here on our show. The Steelers had five penalties for 30 yards to 12 penalties for 115 yards for the Bears on Monday night. The Titans had four penalties for 19 yards to 12 penalties for 115 yards for the Rams on Sunday night. Steelers and Titans both win those games. You know, anybody who has played football, Bob, knows that the officials can throw a flag on just about every play if they want to. The disparity of calls in these two games was was just way too obvious to me. I mean, uh, what, what were your thoughts watching that game on Monday night with the Steelers and the Bears? Well, I mean, I just think in the, you know, overall the, the discrepancy in the amount of penalties that were called comparatively to each team is, is pretty crazy because you're right. A penalty can be called on every single play. But you look at the end of the game, uh, the Bears-Steelers game, right? Like stop – officials need to stop con- trying to control the outcome of football games, right? Like do not – the kid that got called for the taunting and you know unsportsmanlike conduct, like that was ridiculous. And then the referee blatantly on film – backs his ass right up into him as he's running behind him, right? Like, who? I don't know who these guys think they are and why they think they need to control the game. Like, sure, did the kid need to have his, you know, 360 roundhouse kick and then stare down the sideline and then finally make his way back? I mean, come on. It, these guys, they're celebrating. You get kid makes a huge play in a most important part of the game. What, what is he supposed to do? And for, for that ref to stare him down and then wait, for him to run by the ref bumps into him and then the ref throws the flag. Like, it's just, it's silly to me. You're, you're, I'm, I'm starting to buy what you're saying more and more each weekend as, as we see these things develop. I think it's been more apparent this year than any other year. And the only reason that I can come up in my mind is NFL is events. Like last year was a scary fucking year for these NFL owners. You know, it is scary year for people like me in the events business. Cause you're thinking, like this shit could happen again or, or, or how long is this going to last? And it's, it's a money grab right now. And, you know, I couldn't imagine, like, I couldn't, I can't fathom the amount of overhead that those owners have to deal with and the checks that they're writing and the checks that they'd have to write, they'd have to continue to write, even if the business were to get shut down. So that's just what I keep going back to in my mind. A lot of people could say, Oh, you know, there's no way that it's happening. I, and I think a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance out there. People don't want to believe that it's happening um, or, yeah. or, or or they don't care. You know, they may be I, I, I'm still watching it. I, I just feel like, you know, there's a way to make money on it. If you recognize that it's happening for somebody that's playing games like us, and, you know, if, if 
these games aren't being manipulated, then I'm calling out the NFL. Hold, hold these officials accountable. Either suspend them without pay or set an example by firing them for doing a shitty job. But that's not happening. Tony Carrenti, who was the head referee in the Steelers-Bears game Monday night, he's not going to be fined. He's not going to be suspended. He's not going to be fired. And, and he'll be back on the field somewhere next Sunday. Although anyone with a brain who watched that Steelers game could see right through the horseshit calls on Monday. I mean, the the, the guard pulled and he, I, he, he cut J.J. Watt to get the cornerback, to get uh, fields out on the corner. I don't even. I don't know if they were trying to call. The running back was running a flat route. He was about six inches away from. Him. I don't know if the official thought that the running back was engaged with him, but they took seven points off the board. And then the next play, Fields gets hit two seconds after he throws the ball, and yeah. there's no there's no roughing the passer flag. So it's like it was just way too obvious, man. And and it's like what they're doing. People are starting to wake up to it, but like why? The ratings keep smashing. The fans keep showing up at every game. It's sports entertainment, so legally they can do it. Uh, so it's, you know, if I'm in their position, why am I going to change it until it starts affecting my business? Right, and I don't think they will. And the the, the one play you, you, you called out where the guard was pulling, and, you know, he was still within the tackle box when he tried to go low on Watt. And so that's a, that's a, that's a legal play. And secondly, I don't even think he made contact with him when he tried to go low on them, when they were trying to get fields out of the pocket. So the fact that they made that call was pretty ridiculous. And then I, I think about, I, I thought to my, in my own head on the in the Sunday night game, this, you know, Sunday night football, the headliner primetime game. I don't even think I saw that referee before in my life. I don't, yeah. I don't even know who that was. So it was surprising to me that they put that guy and whoever that crew was in that game that they want to display on Sunday night football to, to, a, you know, a whole nationwide audience. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really, um, you know, disheartening as a football player because you know how hard those guys work to get there and to, to see it happening on a blatantly obvious level to anybody that's played the game, as long as you want to strip down like the insecurities that might go along with, is this fucking really, ha are the cognitive dissonance that, that goes along with, is this really fucking happening? I don't want to believe that it's fucking happening, but when you break it down, when you follow the money, man, it's just, and, and the, the nature of the world that we've been living in for the last 18 uh, plus months, it's, you know, it, it looks like that's what's going on. All right. With that, let's, uh, let's get into it. Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to take uh, us to uh, Miami um, you got the, the Miami Dolphins are plus seven and a half at home against the Ravens. I haven't watched Miami play once this year, uh, but I'm going to go back to my primetime dog theory and I'm taking the seven and a half at home just purely because uh, primetime dogs are 10 and two in the last 12 and 19 and eight on the season. And I like it when there's more than seven points in a game, because if you want to have a close game, come down to a last second finish. Chances are that plus seven and a half is a pretty good bet. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on this one at all. I mean, I haven't seen a ton of, of the Dolphins play, but um, they've been in a lot of games and they got some good guys. I mean, and they're, they've competed in a lot of games this year. So uh, Baltimore has been a little, you know, up and down. They haven't been dominant. So they're not, they're not blowing anybody out, really. No, not at all. Their, their games, their games have been coming down to last second finishes. Yeah, I think the seven and a half, especially having the hook with that seven and a half, is a great bet on Thursday night. 
Love that. Love the hook. <laughs> All right, Bob, take us to Arlington. The Falcons are plus nine at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. The over-under in this game is 54 and a half. Again, uh, that's a big number, nine points. And, uh, you know, I, I expect, obviously, the Cowboys to to play differently than they played last Sunday against the Broncos. But uh, Dak Prescott's not 100% um, right now. They're not playing. They will bounce back. Do I expect them to bounce back and, and win by, by nine points? I don't. And I think the Falcons are, are pretty damn good on offense. And Matt Ryan's a proven guy. He'll keep them in the game. They'll score points. Um, the Falcons will. So I think there's this is a no-brainer for me because I think they'll they'll keep it within a touchdown and 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 Matt will keep throwing the ball and they'll keep putting up points no matter what Dallas does. So I like the Falcons uh, on the road with, with those points. Uh, I think it's tough not to take points uh, take plus nine uh, in this league right now, especially I know that the dogs are covering in prime time, but the dogs were covering in just about every game last yeah. weekend. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go to Sunday night's game. The Raiders are plus two and a half against the Chiefs. Uh, I don't think that's really enough points to lock in the primetime dog play because you can have a last second field goal and still lose uh, at plus two and a half. So in this game, I actually like the over uh, because you know what else is good for ratings in primetime? Overtime, points. overtime <laughs> and points. Yeah. And and I think that um, the Kansas City Chiefs are – long overdue for an offensive explosion this season. I think we're going to see one here in prime time out of both teams. And uh, the over-under in this game is only 51 and a half. Uh, for the Chiefs and the Raiders to, to you know, not be able to cover that, uh, the, Sunday night I think we're going to see a shootout between these guys. And I, and I like the over 51 and a half in that game. Yeah, I think you're probably right, man. I don't think I touched this game and the spread just because you have no idea. It's just the week the Chiefs are going to figure out how to play offense or are they going to keep struggling where, you know, the Raiders will keep it close. So I like your play here of, of just going with the over because there's definitely going to be a lot of points scored. Yeah, the only the only thing I can think about with the Chiefs, and we talked about it earlier this year, is they re completely replaced their offensive line. Yeah. Other than that, like you still got Andy Reid, you still got EB, you still got Mahomes and all those uh, wide receiver weapons. EB has found a way to make just about anybody work in the running game, but the Chiefs haven't really been able to run the ball this season. So I'm putting that on uh, cleaning house on an O-line that went to the Super Bowl two years in a row. Uh, I yeah, think I that, I, that, was a, that was a little drastic. Yeah, I don't get those personnel moves, and it's showing right now that they probably made the wrong decisions. Yeah. All right, Bob, take us to Nashville. The Titans are a three-point favorite at home against the Saints. The over-under in this game is 44 and a half. Yeah, again, uh, I, I like the I like the home team here with the Titans. Um, I think they proved a lot, even though there were some penalties in the way they played on Sunday night without Derrick Henry. Um, Tannehill is, is a very solid quarterback with incredible weapons on the outside. Um, so I, they're going to get their points. Now on the other side of the ball or the, or the Saints offense, right? It's Trevor Simeon. That's, that's their guy and not Taysom Hill. Like, I don't know what they got going on down there. I don't think they're going to put a lot of points on the board. And then I think Tennessee, if they get on top, they'll be able to control the football with their, no matter if it's Adrian Peterson, who else is running that ball in their defense. So I like giving up these points uh, with the Titans at home. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, this is a, uh... 
a complete question mark game. I mean, the Titans, I thought they were helped a lot on Sunday night football with those penalties and, and momentum basically given that to them the entire first half. And, and you got to figure that the, the people that are betting that game see the, uh, see the Titans going into the Rams without Derrick Henry. And you got to imagine that most of the money is probably on the Rams to light them up that game. And it didn't happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, this is a game that I, I personally, I wouldn't touch. It's just, there's too many, uh, too many question marks in this one uh, for me to go anywhere near it. Let's go to the Monday night football game. Um, I'm not thrilled on the 49ers getting four and a half at home against the Rams. I know that's a prime time dog. Four is kind of my uh, four points is like you're right in that tweener area where, where a close game is still possible at plus four and a half. I think the Rams got fucked by penalties last week and against Tennessee. And I think the NFL, I still think the NFL wants uh, the Rams to have home field through the playoffs. Um, Plus four and a half just doesn't get me excited enough for the primetime dog theory. I think this pattern uh, will break a little bit at some point. And, you know, like I said, they can still have a close game on Monday with the favorite covering. I'm rolling with the Rams to cover the four and a half on a big bounce back game here. And I like the over 49 and a half. It's a low number. Um, it's prime time Monday night. Uh, you want to generate some excitement to drive those ratings. Let's see a shootout with the Rams winning by maybe six points on a, on a last second touchdown, something like that. Yeah, I think the Rams will definitely bounce back. Do we know if uh, – is Von Miller shooting up? Have they said yet, or is he still on the sideline? I have, I honestly, I'm not even looking at what's going on with the, with the players that are playing in these games anymore, just because it's, it's, to me, it's, it hasn't, it, that hasn't been the, the, the strategy that's working for me. I'm just trying to go purely off of what's best for business for the league. Gotcha. Makes sense. And you're doing it right on Monday night. All right, Bob, take us to SoFi. The Vikings are a three point underdog at the Chargers. The over under in this game is 53. Um, yeah, so on this one, I, I am I'm leaning right now towards the Chargers at home and giving up those three points. Um, I, I don't feel great about the Vikings going on the road. Uh, I, I think there'll be a good amount of points scored in this game, but um, I think it'll come down to more than a, than a field goal for sure. I think the Chargers have too many weapons on offense. I, I see Justin Herbert getting back to where he was earlier in the year, having a home game here. So, um, yeah, right now I, I like the Chargers giving up those three points. Just don't love the Vikings on the road. So uh, I like the home team here. Yeah, I think that the um, the Vikings are very similar to the Baltimore Ravens as far as quality of uh, the quality of that team. The difference between the two teams is the Ravens have found a way to win down the stretch mm-hmm. and the Vikings – keep losing in these close games and that's the only reason why their their record is uh is has been it's i think they're they're like three and three and six or three and five something like that and the ravens are six and three but they just they're not they're on the wrong side of these close losses i will say this the the vikings do have um they got eric kendricks and anthony barr on the defensive side of the ball both those guys are ucla guys they're going to be fired up in this one coming home uh, to play in front of family and friends. I, I think this game's a coin toss. Um, I, I do think that Herbert gets back on track, uh, but I think the Vikings will score some points here. And I think this one could, could really go either way. Fair. It's fair. 
All right. Well, Bob, that's all the time uh, that we have today. Uh, excited for you to come into town tomorrow. We got the Buffs uh, at UCLA. We'll be down in uh, Newport for an alumni event on Thursday night. And then uh, I got us some sideline passes uh, uh, on the CU sideline through UCLA, actually. So Joey <laughs> and I will be down there. Hopefully we'll get a chance to watch some of the game with you. I'll uh, be down there, man. Will you be on the CU sideline? Oh, yeah, the whole time. And, and how much uh, time do you spend on air and how much time do you – are you on air the entire game or can you actually hang out a little bit? No, I mean, I can hang out. I'll, I'll have to just – you know, I, I chime in as the game goes on. I bring us back from commercials, you know, if there's any injury updates, stuff like that. So I can – I'll be able to hang out, but I also got to pay attention too. And it's 16 yeah, and a half points in the bus. I mean I, – I mean, I've – I've been on the sidelines for, for Colorado UCLA in the Rose Bowl before and seen a number like that. And I've taken the buffs and the points and have been gone at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, man. for whatever reason, Colorado in California uh, in the last decade, other than the win we had up in Palo Alto at Stanford, I mean, I've been to so many games where we've just had the doors blown off of us by these teams out here in Cali. And it's, you know, we got a lot of guys from California. Uh, I I would love to see this be an exciting game to where we're high-fiving each other on the sideline down the stretch. I mean, even even if even if we don't win, just just compete for four quarters. That's that's what that I don't want to say that's a win, but at least it would be exciting, you know. It'll be a great experience. Yeah, we struggle going on the road, man. So it'll be. It don't matter if it's California or where the hell it is. These kids have struggled going on the road, so it'll be a tough test. But sixteen and a half is a lot of points. That's not also to say that UCLA can't blow them out. So uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is a tough one if anybody's trying to bet on this game. UCLA has a uh, lot of weapons on offense. A lot of weapons to where you know if we. If we give them, if we lose the turnover battle by one or two, that they could yeah. cover that easily. So, yeah, all right. right. Well, that's all, all right. the time we have, uh, Bob. Uh, please give us a follow at Armchair Donkeys to get on uh, to get our weekly plays in real time on our story on our Instagram story, and hit that YouTube subscribe button to stay up to date with uh, next week's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in, Bob. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, brother. All right.